You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 2021, year of the Phillies was considered a lot of blown saves. 20 was the bullpen. But when you look at the blown saves the last couple of years, a lot of it has started with the infield defense and sometimes the lack thereof. This year was a big part of it. And the Phillies had to make a correction. It unfortunately was Juan Castro, but they get back. One of the best in the game as Bobby Dickerson is back with the Philadelphia Phillies. He's joining me right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. Next. In the air to left field. What up? And welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen, at Kevin Franzen on Twitter. You can reach me, talk to me. This is episode number two of the offseason as we got to talk to Kevin Long last week, the new hitting coach for the Philadelphia Phillies. And today, just this week, we, as the Philadelphia Phillies organization, announced that Bobby Dickerson would be coming back as he spent the last couple of years in San Diego as the infield guru and also third base coach for the Padres, but one of the best baseball people you're going to be around, one that lives it, eats it, drinks the sport, and especially the infield game. It is wonderful to have him back, and so let's bring him on. That's right, Bobby D. What's up, my friend? What's happening? Uh, well, you are, you've been in the news. I mean, you're here and that to me is, uh, incredible and just welcome back. Well, appreciate it. It's good to be back. It's, uh, I had nothing but great memories that year I spent in Philly. Um, you know, obviously we didn't achieve what we wanted to as a club that year. Uh, but as far as like just everything about being in Philadelphia, I really appreciated, you know, and, and, uh, I love how the fans hold everybody accountable and, you know, it's, speaking my language that's kind of how I coach <laughs> I was gonna say you're 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 that way as a coach you make sure that uh your players do the work uh first and foremost um that that's really important um when you it's not even about looking back on that time you just look at the the numbers and you could you know go by errors you can go by the metrics uh, it hasn't been the same since 2019 uh personnel might be different at times but I just think the fundamentals, whether it's in the outfield or infield, whatever, uh, you're you're a big stickler with that. And uh, well, it's been it's going to be welcome back. Well, again, it's uh, you know the it, it ultimately falls on the players. You know, again, they have to get the job done. I can't take credit for what they do, and and nor do I want the blame when they don't play well. <laughs> so I'm going to do everything in my power to help them achieve, you know, uh, everything that they're capable of achieving, and. And, you know, the goal every time that I step on the field with a player or get involved with a player uh, is just to, to help them be the best version of themselves. That's it. So, um, you know, I think uh, there's guys there that can definitely do the job and we just want to get it out of them. That's it. And be, and be, be there for them. And, and hopefully we can uh, get the defense back to what some respectability, you know, and, um, you know, each guy individually to, to, to get to a level that they can play at and maintain it. 
Yeah, I mean, because it's a it's a total team effort, and and obviously defense plays a big part of it. Pitching, uh, these last two years, you've seen a lot of uh, blown saves, some of the most in in all the big leagues. Um, but it starts with infield defense, and I feel like the the backbone of it all. Um, when you look at just your time, you know, throughout the game, you've been around some special individuals. But with those special individuals comes a work ethic. Um, when you look at, I'm not talking per, like a individual, but what is the ideal infielder? Um, you know, obviously having all the tools, I mean, arms, arm strength, all the quickness, good hands, all those things. But most importantly, when it comes to, to, you know, playing at the major league levels, being able to, to, um, play the game of baseball at a high level. But be, but be slow mentally. Be be fast playing, but slow mentally. Meaning, never letting situations get you out of your comfort zone, and, and that's the tough part in the major leagues. I've always said the most talented infield is in single A. Um, they just don't have the ability to slow it down and and um, execute when the game's on the line in high pressure situations. And that's, you know, that's, you know, I, I still won't wish I could find out with the formula for making that happen consistently. Um, I try to create work practices that create an atmosphere of that for the best, you know, the best way possible. It's just hard to, to simulate what happens, you know, in, in Philly with the game on the line and the Braves are playing us and we got to turn a big double play and, and, and the result, if you don't get it done and it's hard to, to simulate and practice and, and, and create that atmosphere, you know, and, and make a decision. Do I throw home or do I turn a double play here? things like that, and and that's what makes a good infielder for me, the ability to slow down to a point that no matter how tough the situation is, they're able to um, execute under pressure. Yeah, we saw we, I mean, we've seen it the first couple games of the World Series, right? I mean, a couple errors here and there, mistakes, and, and more or less the speed of the game, speed of the runner has caused a lot of the panic uh, from very two of the best, maybe two of the best infields in the entire big leagues. Uh prepping guys for that and the speed how do you go about it well there has to be some kind of um you know punishment some kind of repercussion for failure in practice uh, whatever it is you know might be some internal joking back and forth some challenges here and there some little you know play fines you know like a dollar for a drop or you know just like something just drawing attention to it um during practice um but i mean ultimately it's just it's just i use a i use a stopwatch at times mm -hmm. to get them to feel to feel times what it actually is i mean guys like i know when i was there the first time reese hoskins when he first started making plays in four seconds he realized how much of an eternity it really was because he was like playing extremely flat fast at the time when i first got there so but i mean we just try different things and you understand that everybody's flawed and accept that that we're flawed. Every single one of us have our flaws, and um, but yet we want to we want to create an atmosphere that guys are accountable for those flaws, and and they recognize them, and they do something to attack them. And um, you know that's that's ultimately what the goal is. Yeah, I, I've talked to you about it plenty before. Just in my college coach was all about defense and and infield defense especially, and you know goals we had as a as a team, but. Once he put you on the clock, and then you realize, holy cow! Like that is that is so 
so much time you as an infielder. I was like, oh my god, four seconds is an eternity. You say it; it is the it is an absolute fact. Yeah, when you're a prime athlete and you're and you're uh, practicing and you're doing these things, you know, over and over and over, and people say four seconds isn't an eternity, but in a real life baseball game, from the time the ball leaves the bat. Um, the calmness that it takes and you, you'll throw it over there and you'll be like, wow, I didn't need to rush. And it's just, you know, the game is beautiful. It was built perfect. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's just how, you know, you make a great play and, and it's just bang, bang, and they're out. And then you just bobble a ball just a little bit and it's bang, bang, safe. So it, it it's just a perfect uh, game. So I just tell the guys to try not to overthink it. Try not to, to do things that aren't there, force plays that aren't there, um, you know, no, no different than like a quarterback, you know, forcing a pass into a double coverage. And just because that was the play that was called and it's not there, you got to be able to check off of it. And, um, you know, and, and those things happen real quickly for a prime athlete and, and through drills and through all the work that we're going to get done. And hopefully that, that clock gets better and better for each one of our guys. It's funny you bring up the quarterback because I, I, I think of that in so many ways. I mean, Number one that goes on coaches and, and quarterbacks and everything is what? The scoreboard. What is the time? Of, you know, what's the score of the right. game? You know, where they are as far as the quarter. Well, the same thing goes for infield. And in the checklist you got to do before every play, it's like, okay, what is the scoreboard? Where, where are we at? Are we down? Are we up? Where, you know, where are the outs? Where's the speed of the runner? There's so many things that go on. Uh, how do you – like, especially for, like, young guys – where do you put that checklist to start? Um, really, it's just it's the whole total package. One thing I, I I do not like to do is is shoot wounded. You know, I really, um, as a group, as a team, everything we go down together, we go up together, we win together, we lose together. It's when you make a mistake and you're over evaluated and you draw unnecessary pressure to these things. Yeah, um, there's already pressure driven into it and baked into it already. So, um. I try my best not to create like more pressure uh, on a situation that's, you know, than it already is. Um, but, you know, really the whole package, it's not one thing over more important than the other. It's just, you know, diligence in the work and diligence in the preparation every day from the smallest of smallest of details from, from tagging between innings to, to hitting the first baseman in the chest between innings of, of a nine inning game. And, keeping the ball off the ground in a nine inning game, you know, like the whole time in, in between innings and guys will look at me in a dugout and I'll catch them bobbling the ball and, and I'll draw attention to it throughout the game. And uh, it becomes a, you know, kind of a fun little checklist with each other. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know what's funny is that uh, you say that in between innings. Uh, I mean, being a utility guy, you have to take everything serious, I feel like. So that was like part of I'm not trying to be like oh yeah i did that i i did i had to um but covering the alcs and the nlcs and in in both series um talking to some infielders they talk about in between innings i have never 
heard Major League Baseball players in, in the time of playing and being away from it, like talk about in between innings and taking every rep serious. And that's, you know, the Braves guys were talking about that and what Wash wants their guys to do. Uh, the Astros infielders were talking about that. And you're like, hmm, there's got to be something to it. Because why? Because they're, they're really good. But you bring it up and that's not, it's not, it's not just a thing. It's it, you're you're saying it because you believe it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's I, I watch. You know where I just came from, Jake Cronenworth. We had gotten him up to the big leagues and um, spent a lot of time in Corona camp, um, talking about details and every single time between innings, like everything he does, he he is like diligently paying attention to it. Does not waste a second and. Those reps in a nine-inning game, those those three or four between innings, those tag plays, all those things, they add up at the end of the year, and they oh, yeah. can create good habits or bad habits. And I, and unfortunately, I watch major leagues and I see a lot of carelessness, a lot of a lot of uh, lack of focus on those things. And and you know these guys are so great at that level, really, that they're able to get away with it for the most part. But to go to the bet to the highest level is to be able to be accountable for that you know, those details. And, um, again, they're the best players in the world and, and whether or not they do that or not, they're still going to be big leaguers, yeah. but it's just what level of big leaguer, you know? And, um, I think you look back at guys throughout the, the history of the game, the guys that, that gave a crap about the details are the ones that performed at the highest levels. Yeah. And what's crazy is that like, for me, when I, when I think back in the first meeting you, uh, I, it was at spring training. I went every day and I watched the backfields to watch what you did with the guys and, and how much work and effort. And I, I don't even know if you noticed that I was there and I don't care because I was taking notes, mental notes of what you did because every day was detailed. And I love the nuance of, of playing the infield, but I love the nuance of watching uh, how people, different people uh, approach it. And the way you approach it is from ground level. Right. I mean, that's it. You don't skip a step. And to hear that about Jake Cronenworth, I mean, that's just like the residuals of, of, of working with you all the time, too. I mean, he has to have some of that. But I mean, how much do you think you introduced to him that he had no idea about? Well, I mean, I'd like to to think that, you know, um, by meeting me, he got a little bit better and, and held himself a little more accountable. But I think as a general statement, he's he was probably a guy that was always a hard trier, always a guy really focused. think maybe give him a little bit more detailed guidance. Yeah. To see that, you know, not only him, but there are some old coaches that believe in little things like this too. And um, and the neat thing about him is is he wants to please you. You know, he like he really tried to work hard to please me. And I think those are the things that really stand out to me. And, and I've been lucky in my career. I know the year I was in Philly, it just felt that way. I got a relationship built with Segura and and Hoskins and and Cesar and Mikey Franco and all those guys seemed like they tried to please me, and um, which was neat. And and then when you when you get that look in their eyes and that thing, then you can punch a little bit and you can you can hammer a little harder and and um, you realize that they realize that you're in it with them and and you know they're not just you know cutting them up and condescending to them. Yeah. No. I. I... We saw the difference in their looks, right? And and I feel like the difference in the work, too, goes hand in hand. Um, you've had very veteran teams. You've had very young teams, too. You know, whether you look at the early Baltimore years, 
uh, to the late ones. I mean, you had guys that had been there for a while, uh, but they started out young and, and getting that work ethic. Well, this is a very uh, – I'm not going to say it's a mix because it's very veteran-oriented infield, uh, what you have right now in, in, in Reese and Gene, Didi. But then you got the young guy and Alec Bohm and, and knowing that there have been struggles. Uh, your talks with Joe Girardi, I know there, you, you can't sit there and say, oh, I know everything that's going down because you got to see it for your eyes every day. Um, what's going to be the biggest thing for Alec, you think? Um. Well, I think he's a big guy, obviously, and and I would say I would say just early on he's not the the guy with the most quick twitches. You know, he's not mm-hmm. that that prototypical infield movement. So he's just gonna have to make efficient moves. Um, I think his feet work. I think they can work better. Uh, I believe he has okay hands. I believe his arm strength is okay. And and even though he's made some throwing errors, I believe there's enough throwing accuracy. You know, like. He made some throwing errors last year, but if you look at it, he made a lot of accurate throws. Mm-hmm. So that tells me it's not necessarily in his mechanics. It may be in the in his clock. It may be in the way he, you know, transfers the ball and not have good balance. There's just a whole lot of things that I think um, he needs to address, and I think it's just from ground up, um, you know, how he catches the ball cleanly to start with, with good balance, finding yeah. hops to catch. Once he gets that, then his transfer – is he good and balanced when he transfers the ball? And, and um, again, uh, uh, he's not the quickest twitch guy in the world. And I just want him to get to the point where he can make routine plays routine. And that, that, that's a, that should be enough, you know, really. And then we can just graduate and maybe get a little more, a little more, a little more. But overall, it's building some self-confidence. Um, I think he lacks in that a little bit. He does not want to let the team down, um, which a lot of players are like that. You know, they, they, uh, don't want to fail, so and then and they end up failing. You know, don't like an old coach told me years ago. He said, "Bobby, show me what you can do. Don't show me what you can't do." And what he meant by that was, you know, I'm out there playing so tight, mm-hmm. trying not to mess up. I never do show him that I can go back handball and, and throw off of one foot, or um, you know, I have some abilities that I'm that I'm afraid to show because I do not want to make a mistake. And I think that has a lot to do with Alec. Yeah, and the other thing, you know. Going through struggles in my career uh, defensively at times, uh, the confidence is huge, and you talk about that. But, like, sometimes you get too robotic. And that Absolutely. Plays, and that plays against you. And we've seen it with Alec. Uh, you know, I, there's a play at the end of the year in Miami. It's a it's a medium-high hopper that he plays on the second hop. Doesn't have to come in at all, but it's a double play ball. And he jumps up. He gets it one-handed. He comes down, then splits his feet. And I'm like, oh, he's thinking. You can tell he's thinking. Because the natural movement would be go up on one foot, catch it, and be in a throwing position when you come down. And you're just going, ah, that's all right. Because at least the thought process is there. I mean, that's not a negative. It's just like, hey, if we can get out of that robotic way, uh, you may be just opening some things up. But how how do you go about – guys that are like that 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 end up being so mental at times and i'm not that's not a negative but you, they're they're almost playing by steps uh when they're in the field how do you get them just to be a little bit more natural um again through reps a lot of reps and, and maybe have some fun with them some different challenges some show me show me some crazy plays you know just you know when we're on the backfields but more than anything to let him know that I'm not going to pop all his pimples every single day that, <laughs> that just you know get the get the job done and and 
it may not be the most perfect, beautiful thing in the world, but you know, we need to get out and, and, uh, I just try to free guys up and, 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 you know, and sometimes guys just aren't good enough. And that's, I tell them that as well, you know, Hey, sometimes it just, you're not going to be able to do it. And, and that's, and that's okay too. And, and you move forward. But I think at some point, um, if a guy's consistently trying not to fail, you'll never see what he can do. Hmm. So that's, that's amazing. I mean, it's crazy. Cause like you, the guys like Jake Cronenworth, I mean, he's a second baseman shortstop then goes to second base, but really, you know, you look at it, he didn't have that thought process when he was at shortstop when Fernando Tatis went down. And that, that's says something about the athlete as well <laughs> to not be right. scared. Right. And then again, he was a, you know, major college player. He's yep. um, played middle infield, you know, he played middle infield, which isn't corner infield, obviously. And mm-hmm. he was, uh, you know, kind of never really thought out of it as a big prospect. We, you know, San Diego Padres got him in the back end of a trade, wasn't even a primary guy. And, and so there was a lot of, um, you know, again, not as much pressure. I mean, you could look at it two ways. You could say, well, this guy's got pressure because he's trying to be something. Um, but when you're a highly touted player, a lot of times, you know, all your pimples are popped every single day. And, and I'm telling you, it, it, you know, not good enough at this, not good enough at that. He needs to be better at this. He needs to be better at that. And before you know it, man, you, you go, man, what, what the hell did we even sign the guy for? He's not even a good player. You know, if you kill it, you kill a player that bad and they feel it too. If you can't find something you like about them, yeah. um, they, they can feel it as well. And, and then you're, you're, you know, you're spinning your wheels. You're never going to get anywhere anyway. So I think, you know, the goal with Alec is just him to get him to be the best version of, of what he is, not, not try to like make him Manny Machado or make him, you know, whoever Bryce Harper at the plate or, or it's just, let's see who the best version of this young man is. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's how I'm going to approach it. That's a great way of, for life. Just in general, find the positives in those people and build on it. Uh, it's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. When when you, I mean, you're going from, sorry, but one of the most athletic infields in the entire big leagues. I mean, from Hosmer to Cronenworth to, to Tatis and Machado and Hassan Kim. I mean, he that guy can play some short. He he can play some defense. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and I feel like he gets written off in this whole thing. You're like, oh, geez, you got all this other stuff. But he was he was incredible. Uh, try. I mean, every team's different, and we could always talk about it. How do you how do you flip your mind and being like, well, these guys aren't them, and and, and you're are so good at getting to the you know like being honest with people. But out of your mind, like, man, I had it good with these athletic kids out here. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, something that, that I was taught again, we all we go by what we learn through our life. Right. I, I was I was taught a long time ago. You know, I've had my own aspirations of managing in the big leagues, my own aspirations of doing this or doing that. And and before you know it, if you're putting your mind where your where your ass isn't, mm-hmm. you know, um, I've always been told to always try to keep your mind where your ass is. So in the same point of view, like I had, I had an athletic infield, um, in San Diego, 
I had an intelligent, bright, athletic infield in Baltimore. Um, you know, never made mistakes. Seemed oh, like JJ yeah. Hardy was oh. the ultimate Tom Brady at shortstop. Never made a mistake and never turned the ball over. I should say, you know, it wasn't was that the, the best clock, athlete, the best in the business. So, in my opinion, and again, he was my guy. I was yeah. with him, so I am. I'm going to actually, you know, have a little bit more love for him than probably yeah. some other guys. But, um, you know, if I if I go into the job thinking that each each team is that and each player I work with is that, then I'm never going to actually get the best I can out of that individual. So um, I love the fact that, you know, Reese Hoskins is Reese Hoskins and we're going to do the best we can to be the best version of Reese Hoskins and, and so on. And sometimes that end up being a better version than even uh, Eric Hosmer or or whoever is over there, you know, so whoever would be the considered the the best in the business, you know, why can't it be Reese? You know, why, why aren't we looking at this two years from now saying, wow, the, Reese is the guy that everybody measures their first base play by. And um, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. I mean, when Manny first got to the big leagues, nobody knew he was Manny Machado. He was just a first round draft choice named Manny Machado. And then after years of playing defense, now he's like, wow, this guy can really defend. Mm. So, I try to go about it like that. I I, I know Didi's on his way. Um, he's gone backwards a little bit since New York, and and so that's going to be a great challenge to to get the best version of him. Um, Alec Baum, same way. I've I've heard a lot of people popping all his pimples, and it's exciting for me to to be involved and and try to get those guys back on track. So I just try to say, you know what, my mind is exactly where my ass is, and it's in Philadelphia. And it's a perfect spot because, I mean, again, we get to see work that you do and have done. Uh, go I, For me, I'd go out and watch you guys in, in San Diego do your early work. It was one of our first trips for Scott and I to go back on the road this year and, and being able to see you work with your guys. I miss that. I miss, I, I miss that part of it because I feel like others follow. Like someone needs to set the way. And right. if the infielders are doing that, everybody else might follow. I think that's huge. Right. I agree. Um, the other one I was going to ask is, how did you get into being an infield guy? Like, how did you get that passion for it? Well, I mean, obviously, I was a hard trier. Um, I never got to play in the major leagues. I played seven years in the minor leagues and uh, three years in AAA and just, just being behind Cal Ripken Jr. in, in Baltimore, would never take a day off. And, I, and again, no matter who would have been there, I probably wouldn't have made it. I just couldn't hit enough. And uh, it was just a hard trier, and I loved the game and, and, and so forth. And uh, Doug Melvin ended up giving me my first infield coordinator job in the minor leagues. And it just – I always wanted to, like, you know, coach guys because to make them to be better than what I was, you know, I – I never made a lot of money in the game, and, and that's one of those things that motivated me that the guys could make a lot of money and guys could, um, you know, go win championships. And um, I just think about things that I didn't do well. Again, my clock wasn't great, and the game was on the line. I would throw a ball up the line. You know, I would mm -hmm. force plays, and I just remember those things, you know, being like my demons, and, mm -hmm. and I try my best to, to help players with those same demons. And I just am passionate. Um, you know, I, I, I believe in, in anybody can do anything. You know, I, I was raised uh, by a father that couldn't read or write. He was a great man, worked his tail off. Um, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to go to school. He was part of the Great Depression, this and that. Um, but yet 
he motivated me every day with his work ethic. He pushed me and, and shoot, man, I've had a great life in this industry. And that's kind of like how I, how I go about it. There's no reason why, um, any guy that comes out there, Alec Baum, um, to Reese Hoskins or who or Gene Segura, they can all go out and win a gold glove. I mean, Cesar Hernandez won a gold glove the year before last. And I mm -hmm. used to tell him about that all the time. And he called and thanked me for believing mm -hmm. in it and, and stuff. And, and I know before I did, Larry Boa did. And people would see Larry Boa as being negative. And it was such a, a such a wrong way to view Larry Boa as being mm -hmm. negative on the guy because he just cared. His heart was so pure um, that he wants the guys to be the best version of himself. Very similar type person and, 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 and Larry Boa. He just, he's a, you know, he believes in people. And, and I don't know, when I go to work with a guy, I just believe that the, the sky's the limit. And, and. Uh, I just always wanted to help guys be a better version than, than I was. And that's probably sums up what I, what drove me through my career. Yeah. And, um, you know, just trying to, trying to be involved in, in what I couldn't do, helping other people to be able to do it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Is there a favorite part in the development of of somebody? Because everybody's so, you know, everybody has their own individual needs uh, when it comes to individual uh, infield play. But is there, like, something that, like, you love to see the transformation of in, in one of your guys? No, I think I love it all. Like, if a guy has trouble, you know, Throwing on a slow roller when he finally makes the play on one big one that yeah. saves a game or something and seeing his face and the quick <laughs> eye contact, you know, that knowing how many times we worked on it to get it done and and you start seeing that confidence glow, whether it's, you know, convincing guys to, to sell their soul to make this great tag that we work on every day. And then it, then it works and we get a big out that nobody expects. And um, you see a JT Riomuto throw almost everybody out in 19 and, and, and him acknowledge it to his middle infielders, the work they were doing to, to help him get, you know, caught stealings and, and um, you know, all those things. I think each player is different. There's going to be a different thing that, that, that ignites that fire for each guy. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I know Phillies fans are excited because they've known that for two years that's been missing around here is the infield defense. It plays a big part of it. Uh, Joe Girardi has brought you back on board and now you get to be with your NLE's foe, as a teammate now in Joe Girardi and Rob Thompson. <laughs> right. That's great. Good. Great man. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that opportunity again. You know, don't know what has, what's, what's to come. I do know we're going to be the best version we can be, and we're going to put the work in to be that. 
Well, I appreciate you coming on Pine Tower for breakfast. Can't wait to see you during spring training, and uh, we'll talk to you. Sounds great. Look forward to seeing you. Thanks, my man. That is Bobby Dickerson, your new and former, former and new, either way you want to call it, infield coach for your Philadelphia Phillies. And, again, a special individual coach, someone that cares about what he does, and, and so far adding to this team. Uh, you lose two good humans in Juan Castro and Joe Dillon, but you, you also gain some uh, knowledge and, and expertise in their in their field in Kevin Long and uh, now Bobby Dickerson. So we're lucky to have them both back on board, and we're lucky to have both of them join us and myself right here on Pine Tar for Breakfast. Until next time, I hope you enjoyed. Hit me up on Twitter, at Kevin Franz. Anything you want to hear this offseason, until then. Peace. Kevin Franz is out of here.